entertained? Are you not entertained? Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. You're listening to the French Press Podcast, where we discuss events from our lives. Welcome to the French Press Podcast. This is episode 329. And it's Tuesday, June 23rd. 2020. Today we've got a special guest on the podcast, someone who's been across the ocean, someone who has, um, yeah, had quite an adventure the last while. Of course, we got feedback to get to. We're also missing someone today. Eh, I barely. Just barely. Yeah. Missing anyway, is a strong I'm not even, word. We don't want to even say who it is. They might not even notice. <laughs> um, uh. Anyway, our special guest is when. Hosteller, when it's good to have you here on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot about what you've been doing the last, or what you were doing the last while. But can you briefly uh, whet our appetite with a scary introduction? A scary introduction. Yeah. Well, when were you the most scared? Okay, so probably the most like <gasps> stomach oh. drops or rises up into your throat, into my throat moment was uh, we were in Laos at a guest house. We had been delivering bread. I assume you guys know what I mean by that. Yep. We had been delivering bread, um, and the owner of the guest house tells us, we were just getting ready to go out to eat, he tells us, wait, wait, you can't go anywhere, and a few minutes later, a truck pulls in, and a couple officials get out, I was like, um, not good. What's going on? <laughs> Ooh. All right, we'll pause with that. <sighs> so, we got to get some other things out of the way. We've got lots of feedback. Uh, we have to talk about why we skipped last week's episode. Did did we get lots of feedback? Oh yeah. Uh, hold on, let me check the Facebook. Last week page. or not? We didn't have an episode last week, but the week, the last episode we did was with coworker Wade when we talked about surviving plane crashes. Oh yes. And obviously Jeff isn't here, and he's uh, gone on a little weekend getaway, and he'll be back next week. Hmm. Hmm. I, I'm trying to find the feedback, and I'm not seeing it. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Um, while we are finding that, maybe, when do you have any feedback for the French Press Podcast? I hmm. do. Um, I had texted you some. I don't remember Yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah, you did. I, I will say, um, it was either just the most recent episode or the episode before that, but somebody, I believe it was... Um, doesn't like the sound of pouring coffee. Sarah said that she didn't like the sound of pouring coffee. I actually appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Thanks. It's we'll great. keep on doing it just for you. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> not listen to the feedback of the, you know, from people that say they can't stand that sound. Um, uh, and we don't even have coffee today because because Jeff is missing. I could so just he really is missed. Sad day. I could pour a cup of water. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, okay. So here's some <laughs> feedback. Nevin, uh, Nev Hirsch uh, sent us a message and said, Hey, I just listened to your last episode with Wade and his airplane story. As a fellow pilot that has had airplane issues, I found it very interesting. Hopefully you have him on again to tell the other stories as well. Great podcast. Keep up the work. Well, maybe, Nev Hirsch, maybe we should hear your story. Maybe you can send us an email <clears throat> introducing the story, lay out the... Uh, the framework of that story and we'll see if it's worthy of the French press podcast. Yeah. Give us a little appetizer <laughs> before we decide to purchase the entire meal. Mm. So, uh, today's episode is primarily going to be about 
win and his uh, experiences. So you, you kind of whetted our appetite. We know something scary is about to or happen to you, but can you give us a little bit of an introduction to to wh- what you were doing, why you were in Laos, you said? Yeah, certainly. Um, so over the winter, I was with um, GTO on their EDGE program, okay. which is a six-month program for young men or, yeah, um, designed to build leadership um, relationship with God, cross-cultural interaction, assorted other things. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really good, really intense. Um, uncomfortable at a lot of times. but In the training or in uh, after you're out in the field? Yes, both. Both, oh, okay. okay. So they have things like they make you like eat uh, like snails and, and worms and like scary stuff like that? No, that's not part of the training. We did actually eat snails also in Laos, and they were actually excellent. Oh. Very good. You should have brought something. That would have been a great edible. <laughs> Snails. They I'll might not be, they're, they're might not be good anymore. I'm not sure. Oh. Yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what, what were some of the, the training things that you went through to prepare for the work? Um, so uh, when you first arrive there, they have orientation and, and they give some um, just briefings talking about Anything from teamwork to um, well, I said teamwork, but like team relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're living with the same people for an extended period of time, how to how to do that well. Um, well like I already talked about cross cultural um, perspectives and interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are a few. Mm-hmm. Oh, there there is also. Um, Genesis, and they give a brief introduction to that on the website. Um, but that is—that's one of the classes that they offer. No, 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 no. That's that is part of the Edge program. Oh, um, kind of part of the training. That's I'm not really going to share on that. Okay. Okay. All right. So some secret stuff, but but not sure. any not any. Uh, uh, I can't even think of the term now. Confidential. <laughs> no. The I, I don't like to say I can't share it be, to sound like aloof, like ooh, we can't share this this special thing. Um, but it part of its um, it it's part of what makes it effective and special is the fact that it is unknown, and we don't unless you go it. right, gotcha. Oh, so exactly. okay, so it's not secretive as far as like personal safety. It's more like no, it's a cl- it's okay. I was, what I was going to say is like, is it like the Illuminati where it's, it's not like a secret organization? No. Secret Isn't no, this sir. weird conspiracy theory <laughs> no. about GTO? Like, <laughs> All within. Nobody would try not to get it out. I What's a secret it. handshake? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. So there's like some camaraderie there that yeah, for, for sure. people that have gone, there's uh, a connection. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to meet former Edge guys and, and talk. And there's, a, there's definitely a commonality uh, of okay. experience. Very Good. cool. All right, so yeah, I kind of interrupted you. Carry carry on. That's all right. Uh, I forget what the actual question was. Um, kind of what led into uh, going into what made you choose Laos? Edge? Oh, um, that too. <laughs> sure. Uh, so so I'll I'll go back a little bit. My first um, that I can remember, the first exposure I had to Edge was when Wesley Mast did his presentation. Um, Is that a Coppice? Yeah, that was a Coppice. That was. 
I don't know, what was that, five years ago? Maybe maybe not quite that much. I think it was around five years ago. Anyway, yeah. and I just remember being so impressed by his stories and by, um, you know, how God worked in moments. And I was just like, whoa, that's cool. And, you know, that kind of faded from my mind. Um, and then after Hillcrest, I... Uh, Life went on. I went to Hillcrest. Um, after Hillcrest, one of my friends and I wanted to do something together, a trip or something. So we went on Charge, um, GTO's Charge program, which is five weeks short term. Um, and while I was over there, the <coughs> staff that was over there did a great job <laughs> convincing me um, to come back. And, and I really felt called to come back. I, I considered going... Uh, this would have been in uh, the beginning of the year in 2019. And so I, w- I considered going immediately on the summer team, but I felt God was saying, just hold off, wait, you've been running around for a while. Um, so just, I spent the summer at home mm-hmm. working and, and reconnecting. It was really good. It was a definitely good leading by God. Um, and then left in November of last year. So November of 19, went over there and started. Yeah. Um, after, I guess I'll give a, I'll give a brief overview of the schedule of our trips and then we can talk about whatever trips or questions um, you guys have. Mm. Um, so we got there, had orientation and all of that. Um, our first trip was a co-ed trip uh, with Ultra. Ultra is, uh, I'm going to say that, over, oversimplify this a lot. Ultra is um, essentially edge for girls, but, but that's an oversimplification in that it has, there are a lot of similar things that happen, but the focus of the program is very different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so our first trip was to Vietnam with them, um, and then... Um, our second trip was just us edge guys. We went back to Vietnam. Our third trip was to our third trip was to Laos. Um, that a- trip actually encompassed. Well, when I say trip, I'm talking about a time that we left. Um, kind of where the quote base is, um, and then c- returned. Mm. Um, so that trip we were we went to Laos and then to Thailand and then to Myanmar and then back to Malaysia. So that's what I mean by trip. The okay. the fourth trip. So a trip is more than just like necessarily like one stop. Like it correct. could be Typic- multiple, multiple locations. Yeah, typically it's one stop, but but we had several multi multiple country runs. Um our fourth trip was to Cambodia. Um after that we went up to Thailand from there to Vietnam, and from there to Nepal. Um, and then after that series, we were in Myanmar again. Um, that was about the four-month mark, and that's really when COVID started hitting. Countries were shutting down. We actually came back mm, two months early or so. So your trip was cut short yeah, because of was, COVID. Yeah, countries were shutting down, and obviously, as you've already heard, travel is pretty essential for what we do. So, yeah, we, we came back early uh, from Myanmar. Mm. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of questions here. Did you want to 
just like tell tell a story that kind of answers these questions, or do you want us to to ask the questions that that we did send you? Uh, you can go ahead and ask the questions. That gives okay. me a refresher and and so can focus my. You answer. kind of you obviously teased at the beginning the time that you were most terrified. You said that your stomach went up into your <laughs> your throat. Can you finish that story for us? What was happening and what ended up happening? Yeah, sure. Um, so we were delivering bread in Laos, and um, I won't necessarily go into the details, but basically we had been been delivering bread to villages, and apparently somewhere along the way we got... Somebody started tracking us. I'm not sure. Um, but we got to our guest house, uh, we had been split into two groups that day. Got uh, my group, the other group got back first, then went out to get something to eat. We got back and were getting ready to go join them when, like I said, the owner of the guest house was, like came out and kind of in broken English told us, wait, hold on, you guys can't go anywhere. And I was like, okay, whatever. He probably just needs, maybe somebody forgot to pay for the room or, or whatever. Um, and then shortly after that, um, truck pulls up and a couple officials got out local local police um, basically they so, so I well, as soon as that happened I, I kind of felt like the what what <laughs> what is this really happening right now is this really happening that, why is this happening to me specifically <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you typically see police government officials soldiers? in the goings about like are you used to are you familiar with just seeing them yeah okay so yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not like just their presence and normal is like no no you see, you see them in town and and at places okay. yeah no it's not uncommon to see to see them um but yeah basically they came and we okay so at that point it was just uh it was about half the edge team actually was on this trip the other two were leading charge trips at the time mm. so there were three of us from edge and then we were working with another organization that had people there um so at any point if we ask a question you can just tell us well let's just not not talk about that that's fine so uh when the officials got out of the vehicle could you tell that they were on a mission or did they look kind of nonchalant what was their what were they like um they were friendly excited they were definitely there for a reason okay and yeah so before i go forward with the story anymore um i know there were this i think this particular story was floating around was floating around and um like as as u.s citizens there are very few countries that will risk doing physical harm to a u.s citizen Mm -hmm. like so as far as physical danger we're not really in any physical danger um typically at least not at least not from public officials you know there's thugs and whatever sure, that would yeah. do that but from public officials no they they uh won't risk the wrath of their their government mm-hmm. coming down because of pressure from the US um but still there's that uh i say thrill but like the uh, i guess fear in a way mm-hmm. uh, of like getting caught um <laughs> Anyway, so they took us into uh, a kind of a pavilion that was in the courtyard of the guest house, 
and sat us down, kind of asked us a few preliminary questions. And and just like like is this like like hey could would you mind could you guys mind like come over here we want to talk to you or was it was it more forceful and and what was your response? Were you like yeah, I mean were you very yeah obedient like uh, uh, yeah. obliging and like yes yeah yeah no I, we were very obedient at that point we knew we knew why they were there and we knew they knew why they were there okay and and so <laughs> the jig was up <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so there wasn't um it's not like they you know grabbed us and, and and pushed us in but they were like you know please head into the pavilion um so we went in they asked they took our passports asked us a few preliminary questions um they looked in our rooms and found what remained of of uh of the bread and uh, so as soon as that happened, stuff kind of escalated. There were probably, um, I don't want to exaggerate, I would guess another 12, 10 to 12 more officials came. Um, so it was a good-sized Yeah, it was a good-sized group. <laughs> Honestly, okay, so by the end of it, like, we were talking very cordially and... Honestly, I think they were more excited to have something happen than <laughs> like dr- drama. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, we actually oh, we we got we, something. We snuff it out." Yes, precisely. Huh. Uh, you know, I don't know what their what their daily crime schedule looks like, <laughs> but I I feel like they were just excited to get something potentially high profile or whatever. I don't know something that they could run back to their boss and say, "See, we got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we got it." Anyway, it, it was great. Um, but so they found uh, eventually they found the stuff and they took us to the police station um interrogated there was two people that were kind of in charge um they interrogated somehow they knew they knew that um but they interrogated from, from your group who was kind of yeah the leaders correct okay um so they interrogated them mostly i actually probably got the least dramatic treatment of of the entire group that got captured. That's so funny from what I heard back home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like um so I'll, I'll finish the story and then we can I can go more into that. Um but yeah, they they interrogate interrogated uh the people in charge for uh, a couple of hours probably and there was another guy that they interrogated for a couple hours. I I sat outside. So it, it was like a uh, I say motel style. Basically, it was like a a hall, and then with doors and offices, and then leading all leading to the outside. And I was sitting on a bench in that hall, um, and I got interrogated the first day for a total of maybe half an hour, and I got specifically asked maybe four questions. It was great. <laughs> how how good is the English? Like, did you easily um, understand the questions? So. Out of the whole group, there was pre- there was one younger guy who spoke pretty decent English, um, and there was one older guy who spoke broken English. Other than that, no, not really. Oh wow! Not you, really. You're like in your training, like before you go on these trips, mm-hmm. you you are told how to handle interrogations, right? Or are you um, just do they just like send you yeah. out like? Like, just follow the spirit. No. Uh, the spirit will give you words in the moment. Or do they? they could they? 
Uh, no, we, we definitely talk about security. Um, okay. Whether that's in interrogations or even, like, cell phone security or social and, media. And you are told, like, things to avoid, if yeah, at all possible, saying. Sure. Yeah. Like, what's the information that you need to hold dear to make sure that you can continue to do, to do these trips? Yeah, uh, especially, well, like, a huge priority is keeping local people. Local contacts yeah, that got safe. you in. Yeah, Okay. local people, organizations, names. Mm-hmm. Names, especially, whether that's people or or organizations, it's just not necessary to divulge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you, you said phone security. Do you have your phone with you the whole time? Yeah. And did you have it with you when when you were sitting in the hallway while others were being interrogated? Yes. Uh, that's actually an interesting interesting story Uh-oh. or interesting part of the story. Oh. So uh, once they uh, back at the guest house, they came. I was messaging the other group and told them basically like. Don't come back to the guest house. Thankfully, I got that message off. Um, or actually, I sent out our warning oh, okay. uh, you have a emoji, which was a little turtle. Um, oh. Because the the officials wear like kind of a army turtle green color. Uh, yes. We just called them turtles. And so oh, our, very good. our uh, SOS essentially was just to send a turtle emoji. Ruben, okay. if, yeah. if, if I'm ever in a meeting at PWI and like someone <laughs> pages you like, hey, Ruben, come to the comps room. And I know that you don't want to go to this meet. <laughs> this is not a good meeting for you to be at. I'm going to send you a turtle emoji. Perfect. Brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I got the turtle emoji off. Um, so the other group knew that something had happened. Anyway, the the officials told us, asked us to put our phones away. So I did. Just uh, like in your pocket? Away, yeah. They, they basically, they just didn't want us messaging people. Okay. I guess. Anyway, so later in the day, I was sitting on this bench. Uh, every Fairly often, there'd be a guy either sitting nearby me or, or walking around. Um, but I was just sitting there, very compliant. We had all been very compliant. And basically, I had my earbuds with me. Basically, I just asked the guy, like, pointed to my earbuds and put in my phone. I was like, can I listen? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, great, fantastic. <laughs> For those of you who can't see Wit, he, yeah. put, he had this, like, kind of look like, I don't really care. What, I don't really uh, know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, so it was great. Gave me an excuse to be on my phone. Um, so basically, I just told the other guys, I, I didn't know what else the the police were gonna do. Um, so I just told the other group, if you can, go back to the guest house, get our stuff, and find somewhere else to be. Um, I didn't know if the if the police were still hanging around there. I didn't know if they knew about the other group. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, did. And now at that point, like when you're sending off this message, had you pretty much like, you know, you said like when the, when the officials first arrived mm. at the guest house, you were like, uh, yeah, are you pretty much like, eh, yeah, this is happening. Uh, honestly, that feeling lasted maybe 10 seconds. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Like they, they weren't, they were there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They were purposeful, but they weren't dramatic and it, like, we got into the pavilion. I made myself a little pot of green tea. I just sat there and I drank tea. And I was like, <laughs> this is, is going to be fine. <laughs> uh, and we, and I actually had a turtle emoji later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was another guy uh, on our team who actually spoke Dutch as well. Uh-huh. That, that was great. We could communicate without anybody else knowing what we were saying. You know. Um, How do you say... Uh, Turtle? Yeah, turtle and Dutch. <laughs> I have no idea. Schick de Glee amphibian. Turtles reptile. Oh, yeah, there you go. 
it's a good thing. Anyway, I'll, I'll uh, there's a few more days, but I'll, I'll finish the story in short order. Um, so they, so they had our passports. Um, so they didn't, we didn't get imprisoned or anything. We couldn't go anywhere. Um, so they just sent us back to the guest house for a couple days. Um, yeah, long story short, there was some miscommunication by them. And but by the officials, you mean? Yeah, by the by the officials. They told us they were going to pick us up the next day, and they didn't show up at all, like to to interrogate us further. Um, so later the second day, which would have been uh, a Thursday, we at the end of the day we were like, we we had a flight out on Saturday. We were like, we got to get stuff resolved, yeah, because we don't want to miss our flight, yeah. Um, and so we w- actually went back to the police station where we're like, hey. We're here. You guys need. You guys need to talk to us. <laughs> we need to be interrogated. <laughs> we need to be interrogated. Please. <laughs> we got places to please. go. <laughs> Ask me questions. And so it was the only guy who was there that spoke English was the older dude with very broken English. No. So anyway, he oh, told boy. us they'd pick us up the next morning. So and what day of the week is that? That that would have been Friday. Okay. So Friday morning we got a, ate breakfast and we were like we are not waiting around for them. So we went to the police station promptly oh. after breakfast. <laughs> And they interrogated us a little further um, and told us, basically, sorry, like, we sent the the paperwork and everything. We sent it away to get whatever checked, approved, I don't know. Um, But it could be up to a week. We were like, (laughs) no. We don't have a week. Does that that include your passports? No. uh, No. 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 Um, Just just probably the incident report, I would guess. Okay. and so I, I love how you describe like, hey, you need to interrogate us so that we can go. You, it sounds like much more of like a formality. Like, yeah, you're gonna do this, but you're gonna work with us because we're Americans. And yeah, well, th- there wasn't the necessarily an like expectation that they owed us, but but like I said, right. Like I said at the kind of at the end of the second day, they were very cordial and like we could tell. It's not like they had any ill will towards yeah. us. They're just doing their job. They weren't intimidating. No. Okay. No, definitely not. Do you said that uh, you were briefly afraid, like for a little bit, but then it washed over you and yeah. you were fine. Were there any Canadians along, and do they have the same kind of feeling, or are they a little more um, unsure what their government would do if if there would be an incident? Uh, we did not have any Canadians on the edge team. All right. Anyway. Well worded. <laughs> um, and so, oh, so basically, we left um, thinking this could we could potentially be stuck here a week and miss our flight and you know our next scheduled plans. And um, so we just like left and prayed. Myself and one of the other guys went to go find a something to do, look for a pool or something. To, <laughs> to make ourselves feel better. Oh, very good. And um, so we went. We were all praying like crazy, and got a call about I don't know forty minutes, half an hour or so later, and <clears throat> the guy said, "Hey, uh, we got good news. You guys need to come back to the station." So we all booked it back to the station, um, and he's like, "All right, um, you guys can go." So there were in this whole group there were people from the other organization and edge people um and we were the ones with that had a flight scheduled that needed to make it out so they're like all right you guys can go get a bus go up to wherever and get your flight out and um so we were like great fantastic 
totally an answer to prayer. Um, so they gave us gave us our stuff back, and we got a absolutely wild overnight bus ride back. Like it was, it was one of the scariest <laughs> buses I've ever been. It was like passing on curves. No, and were just you like more scared I was, on this bus ride than when <laughs> there were times on the bus I was far more scared. Than you were when probably the sending came. turtles like crazy. <laughs> Now, is the bus driving crazy because you need to make it in time? No. Or is that just how the driver drives? That was apparently how this particular driver drove. <laughs> I haven't been on a bus before. Maybe or that was since, part of the interrogation. Well, you haven't in tried Maria Transport. That's true. <laughs> I actually have, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll they try do to a good job give you an part. experience. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the end. And how long of a bus ride is that to the airport? Um, it was... Uh, I would say maybe eight hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, eight hours from where we were up to the place where the airport was. Okay. Yeah. And uh, are you allowed back in the country? Are you... I don't know. Okay. We don't know if we got blacklisted or not. Um, we didn't try going back. Did they take your photos or just your name? They write mm, down your name. I think they took photos, definitely our name and our passport info. I am thinking they took photos of us, but I can't remember for sure. I'm pretty sure they did. Okay. Yeah, because they had a high chart there. I'm pretty sure they took photos of us. But as far as when I talked about the, the story floating around, it was... it. So, we shared the information to begin with, okay? So, obviously, it's, this kind of originated with us. Um, we didn't realize what we shared basically we didn't realize that the people at home that we were sharing with didn't have the context that we did like oh it's scary in the moment but these these dudes are okay we're not in any danger people at home they actually don't realize that and you know you hear kind of hear buzzwords like you know prison and arrested and and police and people are like whoa what's going on yeah and i think that's probably where some of the more wild variations of the story came from um well i'll be honest like when i first got the news i almost like i got the news at the end of the uh, at the end of a work day mm. and uh i saw that like the vps at pwi were having a meeting and i almost went in and said guys you know when that used to work here uh <laughs> He's a convict. <laughs> <laughs> you guys hired a fan. Uh, <laughs> or uh, he's been incarcerated and it's not looking good. They're communists. Uh, all I got was a green turtle. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but I didn't do that. Thank but you. I, I was like, I mean, our church was very worried. Yep. No, we, um, we definitely appreciated the prayers that were, were given up on our behalf. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, um, I mean, who knows? If, you might not have survived that bus ride if people were afraid. <laughs> Amen. So I feel like there are definitely angels holding that thing from tipping over on those curves, <laughs> <laughs> working very hard. <laughs> Strained. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Does, I know you go through training, but is there ever training or do you, did you think about the fact that like you might die at some point on 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 this on this mission, not this one in particular, but just in general, your time your, with your GTO. Time. Y- yeah, I mean, there's def- there's 
like especially if you're you know riding riding uh, motorbikes in the in the in the city or wherever there's there's definitely accidents that happen mm-hmm. um i i just decided to write up a will before i left just in case something drastic would happen mm. um but i didn't seriously consider it and uh, a possible like i didn't consider it a serious possibility okay it's very unlikely to happen yeah have you considered writing an obituary um Yes. Have you done it? Yes. Hmm. Wow. When did you do it? Now, you wrote that obituary as sort of like a this is kind of how you want this is the, the this is what you want people to say after you pass away at your funeral. Is that kind of what you had in mind? No. It it wasn't for the it wasn't necessarily for the purpose of the funeral itself it was for the purpose of what do i want my life to look like okay so it it it, it wasn't for i mean certainly could it could be for a funeral but it was more for a goal for you in my obituary i don't die when i'm 23 i die substantially later in life and and so essentially it was like yeah what what if i die at I forget what age I wrote down, 70-something. So, so What that would you, I want my life to have looked like? And what would I want said about me? What's, what story do I want to leave? So if you, if you have thought about how long – obviously, no one has control of how long they live. Mm. But you've thought about how many years you would like to live. Yeah, for sure. Okay. When I'm, – I'm, this is very ironic because Leighton – did the same thing about three days ago. Interesting. And I did the same thing about two weeks ago. What what brought you guys to do that? Donald Miller, oh. the author of Blue Like Jazz, yeah, yeah. had a course about productivity, personal productivity. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, right, or a big part of it is having a life plan, looking at 10 years, five years, one year out. And before you do that, he asked you a bunch of questions, and one of them is to write your own obituary. Hmm. Interesting. Why did you Why did you write yours, or what led to to that? Um, it was It was part of some of the training we did. Okay. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, it sounds like good training. It was. It was very meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Do you? Uh, do you sorry, look at sorry, your obituary? Do, do, do you feel like we might have divulged just a, a little bit? Not necessarily. Okay, good. No, you're okay. Because we can edit that out. Okay. Uh, no, that's fine. Okay. Um, do you, like today, do you go back and look at the obituary halfway regularly? Uh, I don't. I actually left. So we came back early from Myanmar, and most of my stuff was in Malaysia. So I actually came home only with uh, a backpack with just a couple of changes of clothes and and a few odds and ends. I actually have a ton of stuff still over in, in Malaysia. So somewhere in Malaysia, you have your obituary tucked away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Yep. That sounds like a so. personal problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no, I don't have access to as much of the the stuff from over there that I would like. But Oh. Yeah. <coughs> Man, we have a lot of questions. I know. Some of them were kind of answered. We don't have to go into all of them. But definitely the one I wanted to ask, or there's a couple more that I wanted to ask, but one of them was, um, how do you live your life differently after your experience 
and not necessarily just mm. the one of being arrested, but just your uh, your experience overall overseas. Yeah, um, that is a great question. I think there's two really big things that that I took away. One is identity, um, and and I'll unpack that a little bit. Basically, where well, yeah, essentially where I find my identity. Um, so like Leighton, growing up, you were, maybe this was just me, but, but growing up, you were kind of viewed as, as the funny kid. You yep. were hilarious. And, and I expect at least that you felt some pressure from people, maybe not, not explicitly, but like there was definitely an expectation for you to be the generator of humor and yes. laughter. Am I correct in that? Yes. Um, yeah. And it's not that... I mean, it's almost kind of self... Uh, per, it's almost perpetuating. Yeah. You know, I am funny, thus people think I'm funny, yes. thus they expect me to be funny. Yes. And, and so you live out of, into that expectation yeah. that continues. Yeah, precisely. And so there were there were definitely ways that I had lived that are true about me, <clears> for <throat> sure. Um, but that had kind of become my identity... In, in a similar way to yours in a in a circle in in relating to people mm-hmm. and um just kind of not that those things aren't still true about me but that that isn't actually what informs solely informs behavior anymore mm-hmm. like my identity is I'm son of god I'm in Christ and and that is my my relationship with God is the foundation for my identity and mm-hmm. my behavior. Mm-hmm. And while the things that people know and and expect from me are still true of me, that doesn't actually have to rule my behavior mm-hmm. around right. people anymore. Does that make sense? Oh mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Do you um, mind do you mind sharing what that identity was? Sure. Yeah. Um so I loved so uh, I, I guess I'll. Well, I won't go into too much detail, or explanation. Basically, I I, uh, I love the intellectual part of life. I love books. I love words. I love discussion and philosophy and, and theology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was definitely one part of me that that I tried to show to people. That's mm-hmm. you know one way I tried to get affirmation was you know try to be this intelligent dude mm-hmm. and you know um be in thoughtful discussions and and uh you know have this beard that i can stroke while i look thoughtfully <laughs> at you while we're discussing theology right yeah um, you want to be the instigator of yeah. of intelligent discussions yeah 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 there, there were other things but that's probably the the first thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. sure yeah um the second takeaway was um, it, it actually kind of came out of that realization that I had been living uh, largely in in an intellectual way. Mm-hmm. Um, was we were going through some uh, John Eldridge material and just talking about the heart of God, and I realized that I had actually been relating to God almost exclusively intellectually, and had kind of bound myself, had kind of just. Um, I guess resign myself to believing that I guess this is just what my relationship with God looks like is a is a very theological, very intellectual 
from the mind relationship. Um, and it was incredible to, to kind of pray through and, and just ask God, like, I actually really want to know you from the heart. I want to pursue mm-hmm. your heart from my heart. Um, I don't just want to know. I think this is something Dad says quite a bit. But he does. You don't just want to know. He does. You don't just want to know about God. I want to actually know God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, learning to <clears throat> pursue God from the heart, not not just being bound in um, in theory, intellectual okay. assent to whatever relationship. Yeah, uh, yeah. those are probably the two of the biggest things. Okay. No, that's very good. It was powerful. <clears throat> I've got one more question from the list I, I definitely want to ask and Layton you can look at the list too if you have any ones you want to ask but okay. my, I think my final question is what are two instances where you clearly saw God work in the situations yeah so uh, I guess I already shared well that, that can be a different one I already shared the one in Laos um, there was another time so our first edge trip in Vietnam was uh, a bike trip or motorbike we had these little 110 cc little workhorse bikes they were great and we beat them to beat them to a pulp but we were uh going with our contact he had taken a bus and we were uh coming behind him and we decided to take this what was supposedly a shortcut on google maps um oh so google maps like you have <coughs> great service and google maps oh works. yeah their cell service over there is actually really good most okay. of the time um yeah they have they have great cell networks Anyway, so we went down, and it is this, at first, like, very steep, dirt, downhill trail. We're like, okay, well, maybe this goes into the road that leads to the main road. No, this is, like, farm trail. Oh, like Very rough, very hilly. I think we went through a little creek at the one point. Oh. It was, yeah, anyway. We uh, made it through. We beat the bikes up pretty good and uh, had some sliding off into sand pits and launching off into ditches, but it, we, we all got out safe. Wow. <laughs> oh, was great. my. Did and anyone get injured? Mm, not, not too bad? that time. Uh. No. So this was actually, this trip was the first time I'd, I'd ever actually um, been on a motorcycle or a motorbike. Oh, okay. So we we took off in Ho Chi Minh which is one, uh, either the capital or one of the capitals. I can't remember if Vietnam has more than one capital. But there are more bikes registered in Ho Chi Minh than there is actually the population, I believe. Maybe that's either in Vietnam or in Ho Chi Minh. How does that work? Wow. Well, it is just like a sea. It is a sea of bikes. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so this mayhem was where I learned to drive. Oh. <laughs> it was not fun. How, there's probably like no lanes. It's probably just more like yeah. a, like a bunch like, of like it's like, like a like, river, like it fish. Is, it is yeah. legitimately a river of bikes, and you just water, and you just kind of flow as you can fit in. <laughs> it's outrageous. And then if you're if you see like if you know you're gonna turn at some point, you probably have to start kind of like yeah, well, and, and getting the, over. Yeah, the people see the thing is over there. They're used to it, and so they just flow with you. It's great. It's actually once you figure it out, it actually makes a lot of sense but it's not orderly not in the not in the least <laughs> anyway okay. so back to the trail we got through this trail and finally after it was definitely a detour uh, took us way longer but got out onto a main road and we all get out and one of the guys bikes 
had worked the entire way through and just stops. And so we pull off and we're like checking it out. Nothing. No lights aren't turning on. There's no battery. There's a <clears throat> so they they all have an electric electric start and they all also have a kickstart oh, if okay. your electric start doesn't work. Kickstart doesn't work. Nothing works to start this thing. There's no sparks. And so we just got around it and prayed. We're like, Lord, it's getting kind of late. <laughs> we have to make it to 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 the the village. And um, so we just like sat and or stood around it and prayed, and got up, tried it a little bit more. Nothing. I was just standing there praying for a little bit longer. I was like, God, <laughs> you are literally the only thing we have, and um, it's it's kind of a tough place to be in, but. But in some ways, knowing that, in, in in some ways, releasing it to God is actually really freeing because you're like, all right, this this is out of my control, and mm-hmm. so there's no point actually worrying over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I think it was my idea, but I I don't remember for sure who that's kind of irrelevant. We decided we were going to push the bike down the road, see if we could get something to start going which shouldn't have worked because the kickstart should have been able to do that anyway so uh the guy got on his bike and uh, myself and one of the other guys started pushing and we were pushing and pushing he was clicking through gears and and releasing the clutch and (laughs) nothing and so we're both pushing and finally we give like one last shove we're like whatever and he's like (laughs) we've given up (laughs) we've given up this is it we're dead and and, um turtle (laughs) and he's there like kind of bouncing on the thing and clicking all of a sudden just like and like i tell you what we all just like started shouting and screaming and laugh it was amazing like wow this bike should not have started but it did and so he roared down the road and then turned around and roared back past us just like (laughs) whooping and hollering it was amazing that's like it was it it was like out on a trip it was one of our first like okay god you are literally all we have Mm -hmm. moments and and then just seeing god come through just Mm -hmm. was that it was was kind of like your your, one of your first dependency tests on the trip yeah okay Yeah. yeah for sure Ooh, that was wow. great. That is awesome. Um, the The second story is we were actually um, taking bread into Vietnam. We were actually doing this while flying. Um, so we had packs of, of bread. And we were taking them in. And we are all super stoked. Like, this is a great opportunity. Um, not, not all teams get to do this. And so we were going through and... and all of us have heard stories like Wesley's stories of like God just doing crazy stuff while while they're while they're carrying, and so we we get to the airport, uh, get to our destination, and we get our backpacks, and so we get through customs and everything just fine. And then there's like that final line of scanners before you actually get out. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but you go through immigration. And, well, okay, so first, when you're flying out, obviously you get scanned before you ever get on the plane. Mm-hmm. And then typically when you come off the plane, there's not usually that much security yeah. after you've landed, right? Right. Um, but in a lot of these airports, there's like a final line of security that doesn't always check, but, but will check if they see okay, something yeah. sketch, right? And they have really good scanners at the end. And um, so we got through customs, and 
we kind of grouped up trying to be inconspicuous and we were like all right here it goes and, and we just prayed for a little bit and then we walked out and as we were walking so there's like if you can and for the listeners also you can imagine kind of like three aisles and there's a a scanner in each aisle mm-hmm and in the center somewhere, there's kind of this small table where uh, one of the airport officials is is sitting, and there's a couple other officials scattered through the through these three aisles. And so we just kind of disperse and go through. And as we're walking up, we're all trying to act as nonchalant as possible. Yeah, just on a trip. Just just oh, just a couple of guys being dudes Which just friend. walking through, <laughs> and and um, we. So I, I saw a little bit, and there was one of the other guys that saw a little bit clearer. But essentially, as we walked through, the all of the officials from the different aisles kind of like, just as we approached, just kind of turned and walked to the central table. And they were just there talking. And we just, like, all walked through. They weren't even watching us. Wow. And then maybe 10 or 15 feet past, apparently whatever they were talking about was done. And they just, like... Turn around. Oh, went back to their post. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> like, woo! We all got goosebumps, and we were <laughs> internally, at least, whooping and hollering as well. Oh, Didn't really do word. it audibly, but yeah, the, it might, might draw a suspicion if you start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get through the yelling. Like, <laughs> 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 you point back. <laughs> you guys have no idea. You guys have no idea what you just did. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was great moment. Yeah. Wow! Praise God! It was really yeah. cool. Are you thinking or have you thought about going back again or are you only allowed to go one time? Um, I'm not sure. <clears throat> like, I don't think there's anybody that's really done Edge twice that I can think of. That's typically that's you you prep for something else mm-hmm. afterward. Um, so, no, I don't plan to go back on Edge. Uh, at some point, we... So, obviously, with this whole COVID thing, the the summer team got canceled and um so at some point we're hoping to go back to get the next team started and to pick up the rest of our stuff um but yeah that's that's kind of up in the air at this point because of covid (coughs) wow yeah well i think i mean this is good stuff um it's especially encouraging to hear to hear uh, what God does in like really really dire moments yeah. when all you have is Him, and I, even for myself, it's it's it yeah it's it's really good to hear. I know that you know the I guess the the unrest in America and with mm. with COVID and everything, yeah. you know it those look like really big things, and they are big things. Um, but when all you hear and read on the news and, and on social media is like, oh man, look at this big deal. Like, look at these big problems and it just looks so dark. It's good to hear that, you know, we have a God who is just above it all. Amen. And can just, yeah, even though your situation, it just looks really bleak and all you read about is bleak and darkness mm-hmm. and negativity it's like hey when it comes down to it you have a god that can just change the situation like that mm-hmm. you know just yeah and so it just it's encouraging to me to mm-hmm. hear your stories and mm-hmm. to <clears throat> yeah 
to hear uh yeah what that god's still working you know um especially especially when we're willing to just give to give it over to him yeah that, that's actually really interesting yeah. a thing you said so like there's um i, I know when back a, n- a number of years i i was one to hold like um guys who had gone on edge and like ooh, these are edge guys and they've you know been all over the world and they've done these crazy things um and and yet well they certainly have been been all over and done done crazy stuff but the the reason that the reason that the program does what it does is because you're you're put in positions where you need to rely on god mm-hmm. and ultimately change comes about by surrendering surrendering yourself to god and that can mm-hmm. happen certainly on edge that can happen in in whatever other place god has you but but the key to having change in your life is 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 surrendering to god mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so yeah interesting you talk about letting it letting it go to god is there anything you want to share with us before we or share with the listeners before we wrap up this episode um, what, what would you say to someone that's uh heard of edge and or or ultra mm. has heard of gto mm. uh, and they kind of thought like oh it sounds kind of cool but uh, it doesn't sound like me or yeah what would you say to that person that's slightly considering it maybe um i would say there's all kinds of people that go (laughs) and so personality and background there's there's actually a a surprisingly wide variety of Would um, would they take canadians uh I think they'd have to vet them first, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we had a few Canadians there. Oh. Um, but, yeah, to, uh, if somebody would be thinking about it, I would absolutely encourage them to go. Mm-hmm. God God has worked in, in pretty amazing ways in my life, and, and I know in the rest of, of my team. Mm. Um, so what would I share with them? I would probably share with them some of the stuff I did here, um, and go for it mm-hmm. awesome alright well yeah thank you for sharing the story Absolutely. and I, I really loved hearing yeah just how it kind of changed you after you came back hearing mm. um, identity that changed and I think obviously it's really cool to go and experience some of those things for the moment but it's also really cool to have a life changing experience yeah. that you can Absolutely. live the rest of your life mm-hmm. Leighton What's the point? The point is, Ruben, is that, <coughs> number one, GTO does not have a secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> At least that I know about. Yeah. Uh, not that you know about. <laughs> <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> point number two, uh, Laos doesn't like bread. <laughs> <laughs> that was unexpected. Uh, point number three, uh, turtles means trouble. <laughs> Point number four, uh, turtles are reptiles. Point number five, write your obituary. Point number six, if you're thinking about GTO, go for it. Mm. And what's our word of the week? Word of the week has to be turtle. 
And Lane, weren't we? Wasn't there an additional ending bit we were we were discussing over the last two weeks or the week when we were in Florida? Oh, we were thinking about changing the name of of the segment from the point from the point to to um, the theme the, or the, the controlling idea. The moral of the story. The moral of the story. Mm. All right. So we're rolling some things around. We, we can't make any too big a decisions without Jeff's input. Um, well, not that it matters, yeah. but we just like to hear it. <laughs> his his vote counts, but it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, his vote counts. Is a, his vote is a little bit louder than other mm. votes, but it still is just a vote. 